Hi there, this is Danny Klein Modisette with a cold, and I'm welcoming you to the Afterbirth Podcast, where we feature real stories about raising kids that you're not going to read in a parenting magazine. Today's story comes from screenwriter Kim Carp Lappin, and it features a title that I'm not going to say out loud. In fact, we're hoping that using a bunch of asterisks instead of letters in the podcast description will keep iTunes from shutting us down. So, you've been warned. This performance was recorded at the M Bar in Hollywood, California in 2011. Please welcome the lovely Kim Lappin. I was hugging my six-year-old son really tightly the other night. It was one of those great bear-huggy kind of hugs where I'm smelling his hasn't been washed in a week hair and thinking it smells like roses. And we fall back on his bed together and blissed out mother-son love. And all of a sudden, he murmurs, Mommy, my penis is in your vagina. It wasn't, of course. We were clothed, I swear. I don't know what possessed him to say that. He doesn't even know about sex or that a penis entering a vagina is, in fact, an actual possibility. Not in my house, ask my husband, but I'm just saying in general. Anyway, then the other day after his shower, I was toweling him off, and I turned away for a second, and I hear him say, Mommy, my penis is licking your butt. (laughs) It wasn't, of course. I mean, come on, penises don't even have tongues. (laughs) I don't know why he says these things. I suspect he just likes his penis very much and enjoys talking about it. Much how I feel about laser hair removal. (laughs) Which is awesome. Total game changer, ladies. See me after the show because... It really, no joke, I do love talking about it. (laughs) Anyway, what makes me very nervous is that I can't control why or when these inappropriate statements come out of my son's mouth. And the thing is, I have control issues. I wouldn't go so far as to say I'm a control freak, but my husband definitely would. (laughs) Last year, when my daughter was eight, I decided to talk to her about what a period is. Not the punctuation lesson, but rather the what to expect as you enter puberty talk. My thinking was I'd head the schoolyard rumors off at the pass and control the dissemination of information. I'd rehearse what I was going to say and even gave her the talk while we were driving because I read somewhere it's better to have potentially uncomfortable talks with your kids when you're in the car. (laughs) It's either something about it being easier on the kids to avoid eye contact or something about being able to slam into a pole at a moment's notice (laughs) if the talk goes off the rails. Can't remember which. Anyway, I executed my period talk perfectly and asked her if she had any questions. She had just one. How did the unmarried teen mom on American Idol get pregnant? (laughs) Now, I hadn't planned for the sex talk, but here I was being thrown into it. I quickly scanned the sidewalk for an available poll, but there wasn't one. So I launched in and told her about sex as best as I could remember it. (laughs) 
I'm pretty sure I fucked it up, though, because a few weeks later, somehow the word sex came up when we were in mixed company. And my daughter pipes up with, I know what sex is. Sex is kind of like an inappropriate thing to do to show that you're, like, cool. <laughs> Hands down, the most difficult part about parenting for me is not being able to control my children. It's a bitter enough pill to swallow that I can't control my husband or even get him to turn off the TV on a Sunday afternoon. I mean, I don't care that there's a real, the real Housewives of New Jersey marathon on. But those damn kids have been running the show since they showed up, from my daughter essentially refusing to come out of my body, requiring a suction device to be excruciatingly shoved up my vagina, to both of the kids refusing to let me sleep for any length of time for years on end, to my son refusing to get off the boob till he was three. I've been reminded time and time again that I can't control who they are or what they do, but never did I learn this lesson as well as when I was trying to potty train my son. Let me start by saying, I've never been someone who wanted, to, who wanted to have anything to do with other people's assholes or what came out of them. <laughs> I was never into the whole rimming movement. <laughs> Though if some of you enjoy giving or getting a good rim job, more power to you. <laughs> For me, asses, not my thing. These feelings didn't change when I had kids. I didn't find their poop to be precious. And I can safely tell you that sweet-smelling, breastfed baby poop is a myth made up by those whack-job fanatics of the La Leche League. <laughs> anyway, the only saving grace for me was that my kids pooped only once a day and that they only pooped at home, which meant no on-the-fly diaper changing in my car or in some totally gross park bathroom. Also, my husband and I developed a rotation schedule, so I was only responsible for half the diaper changes. Although... The trade-off was I had to bite my tongue as he used like 15 wipes per changing and then never reclosed the wipes container, which meant when it was my turn, they were all dried out. And back me up here, that's not being controlling. It's just being sensible. Anyway, a month after my daughter turned three, she miraculously potty trained all on her own. Okay, fine. I backed up the Brings truck to the American Girl store, but it worked, and that's what counts. When my son turned three, he also potty trained on his own, with one notable exception, no pooping in the potty, which meant when it came time to poop, he'd ask for a diaper and do his business in there. His doctor assured me it was totally normal, especially for boys who are apparently biologically programmed to be terrified of getting flushed down the toilet. <laughs> and, she, and she told me to give him a few months to figure it out. Well, I gave him a few months, and then a few more. We continued to change his poopy diapers and dealt with leakage issues and aggressively fouler bowel movements as they matured from baby poo-poos to full-blown kid crops. <laughs> but I was reluctant to pressure him because I had read somewhere that if you force a kid to potty train before they're ready, they become controlling and anal retentive adults. Fine, yes. <laughs> I was potty trained a year and a half. <laughs> I came up with a brilliant plan. Three months before his fourth birthday, I told him that four-year-olds don't use diapers anymore. He totally bought it, and for three months, we discussed the changing of the guard that would occur when he turned th four. He didn't poop that night, or the following night, 
or the one after that. But short of turning septic, I knew he couldn't hold it forever. <laughs> and I planned to be there with the potty when it was time. Unfortunately, that time came when we were at our friend's house for brunch. The dam burst when he went pee, standing up. We heard screams. Our friend's pristine white guest bathroom looked like some kind of fecal crime scene. <laughs> I remember a roll of paper towels and a bottle of 409 and a lot of grout work, but I've blocked out the rest. Still, I forged on. Days passed, and the next time it happened, we were at a play date at the park. As us moms sat and talked, suddenly we heard a blood-curdling scream. I scooped my shrieking son up and shuttled him off to the foulest, most disgusting park bathroom imaginable, the kind I had managed to avoid thanks to my two civilized children who only pooped at home. Yet here I was now with nothing but my humiliation and some flimsy wet toilet paper, wishing to God I had those fucking dried out wipes. <laughs> Three more days passed. Then one night my son came to me in a panic. It was time. Despite his obvious fear, I put him on the toilet and assured him he wouldn't get flushed away. But still he resisted, so I decided to help him along. I lifted him up on the toilet and made him crouch down so that his bottom hovered over the bowl. He started shrieking and suddenly the poop turned on like a spigot. At exactly the same moment, he started peeing directly at my face. <laughs> but since I was holding him up, I couldn't move. I just had to keep my eyes and mouth tightly shut and take the onslaught. And it was then that I had what can only be described as an out-of-body experience. <laughs> Hovering overhead, I saw the scene. A freaked out, screaming, sobbing little boy crouched over a toilet, pissing and shitting, held up by his insanely driven, urine-drenched mother. And looking down from above, I had to ask myself, when was the last time I had my roots done? <laughs> After a trip to my colorist, I was able to think much clearer. And I gave my son his diapers back. I felt both happiness and shame when I saw the palpable relief come over his face. Happiness that we were not going to be tormented by this crazy potty training business any longer and shame that I let it go on as long as I did. And it was in that moment that I finally accepted the fundamental truth of parenting. There's a lot of shit you can't control. <laughs> My son did eventually start doing his business in the toilet, so I'm officially done with assholes. Although, the other day my daughter asked me what a rim job is. I told her it's like an inappropriate thing you do to show that you're cool and that assholes are disgusting and you don't have to touch one until you have children of your own no matter what a man says he's going to buy you. No, I didn't. I crashed into a pole instead. Okay, for more information about Afterbirth, the book, the show, or to comment on the podcast, please go to www.afterbirthstories.com. 
Our next live show is on March 24th, 2012 at the M Bar in Hollywood. And the number to call to reserve seats for the show is 323-856-0036. And I hope to see you there. Thanks for listening.